It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. <laughs>
just suppose God searched through heaven. Firstborn, 
uh, among many brethren. He is the first one that has risen from the dead. And you and I, because of His resurrection, uh, will live as well. Those of us who trust in Him. How many remember a famous American broadcaster uh, who passed away not too long ago? But his well-known line was, after he narrated the story, was, and that's the rest of the story. How many know who that is? That's Paul Harvey. Paul Harvey. And uh, Paul Harvey was a wonderful broadcaster. I listened to him. Uh, for many, many years. and uh, He was a believer. He was a Christian. And uh, he used to highlight what he was saying by saying that line. And now, the rest of the story. You know, we can... Uh, he would use that to kind of put into significance and give us a better known understanding of and, uh, and show it in a new light. Christians often think of one event as the center of all history. And that would be Christ's atoning sacrifice on Calvary. If ever there was a dynamic rest of the story, though, it's not here. It's really found in the resurrection. That's the purpose of His going to the cross. Is that He not only would atone for our sins there by shedding His blood and offering His body, but three days later, He would be resurrected. And that resurrection, my friend, gives us not only hope, but it gives us immortality where we will live within Him. Death is truly destroyed because of the resurrection. Before we begin today, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank You for the opportunity, Lord, to be here today with Your people, Lord. Father, this is Your church. These people are Your people. You purchased each of us, Lord, with Your own blood on that cross. We belong to You. Father, I am just Your servant and only Your servant. I pray for the anointing of Your Spirit to communicate Your Word, Your message to Your people today, Lord. Father, Your Word is life. We need that life inside of us, Father. Speak to each one of our hearts today from Your Word, Lord. Make it alive in us. Give us insight and understanding. Lord, give us clarification. Give us direction for our lives. Lord, build the foundation in us and build upon that foundation you've been laying. Father, we thank you for your presence here today. Holy Spirit, have free reign in each every, in every one of us and let your will be done. In Jesus' name, everyone say it. Amen. Amen. 1 Corinthians 15, we'll look, we have 58 verses there and we're going to go over that uh, today. And uh, This is really a Easter message. This is a message for the resurrection today here out of... Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, and we have many, over many years, this being my 15th message on uh, as pastor here, generally we go to the gospel accounts and read the story of his resurrection, but let's look at the, actually the, the that's the cause and let's see the effect, amen? And uh, we'll see three points of emphasis today in death being destroyed. Number one, Christ is risen, it's a historical fact. I mean, know there were 500 or more witnesses that saw him after he had died and, and rose from the dead. It's a well-documented historical fact. In 1 Corinthians 15, beginning in verse 20, we'll begin to we'll begin reading there. And these are very foundational to our faith. 
these words written by the Apostle. It says, Now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that slept. Now, of course, them that slept is a reference to those who died as believers. Why? Because when believers die, it's no different than going to sleep. We do not die. Uh, even unbelievers do not die. Uh, that is, physically we all die, but the man was made to be immortal. Uh, where we spend our eternity is decided here, in whom we place our faith in. But, you know, your body and my body, uh, should the Lord tarry, will die. It will go back to the elements of the earth from which it came from. But our soul, our spirit, the mind, will, and emotions, the spirit of, a, of an individual will live on. It doesn't die. And uh, Paul says Christ is the first fruits. That's why this is called in the Jewish calendar the Feast of First Fruits. You know, Jesus fulfilled, we talked about last week, his trial before Pilate. And ultimately that Good Friday, just three days ago, he, he entered into the uh, the lady he put on the cross. He was executed. He was put in a tomb, and on the third day he rose again. Uh, that fulfilled three of the Jewish festivals. And we use the word in English, festival, but really it's moedim. It means the appointed times. They're appointed times by God, given to man to observe. And they were given to Israel. They were the ones who observed it. Uh, but they were fulfilled in their Messiah, Jesus. And uh, thank God for that. It was the Feast of Unleavened Bread, of which we're going to partake of communion uh, after the message here. And it is made from unleavened bread. Uh, it's a type of sinlessness. And you know, Jesus was the Lamb without sin, without leaven. And we see that He offered him Himself, His body, and then His blood. We do it in a commemorative way. Uh, on concerning the event that took place. But he fulfilled those three appointed times. That is, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of Passover, and also the Feast of First Fruits, All in one week. And we look back now as a historical event, and we commemorate that today. And he, the, these wonderful feasts point toward the work that Jesus did on our behalf. Somebody say amen. amen. He did it not for himself, but for you and for me. And uh, there's great understanding from the Scriptures in those, uh, those events that He did for us and on our behalf. Look at verse 21. He's the first fruits of those who have died. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Now that's, that's a wonderful promise. Okay, we look at, well, you know, Adam sinned, right? correct? He's the forefather of all of us. He, he is the prototype. He's the first man. And we all spring genetically from Adam. When he died, when he transgressed and he sinned against God, the entire human race fell with him. Because we were in him. We were in his loins, so to speak. And when He died, we died. Someone would say, well, that doesn't seem fair. That's not fair. Why would God you know, charge all of us with that transgression when He was the one that did it? 
Well, because we were in Him. He was the representative head of the entire human or Adamic race. And I would dare say this, uh, you would have probably done the same thing He did. Come on now. But if that's not fair, then why would He come, as the, Paul was saying in Romans, the second Adam, Paid the price for our sin so that all could be made alive. Is that, is that, is that, that's pretty fair, isn't it? Not just those who lived 2,000 years ago, but those before the cross, from Adam, all the way Adam, back to Adam, and those up to where we are now, and where should the Lord tarry in the future. That one sacrifice covers all. Doesn't it say, by one man all are condemned, but yet by one man all can be made justified? God is fair. He's just. He's good. He's merciful. He made a way. Amen. So that we could have eternal life. So that we would not be held back by death. Now death, you know, speaks to us on many levels. Think about death for a moment. Your body is one thing to die, correct? That's the mortal part of man. But you know, man without God, without Christ, would die spiritually as well. When Adam transgressed, he died first spiritually. His ability to commune with God, to, to talk to God face to face, to fellowship with God in an intimate way, was, 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 was destroyed. And ultimately later on, I believe it was like 900 years, he, he physically died. Now if we make it to 70 or 80, we're doing pretty good, right? Come on. Anything after that's kind of icing on the cake. But eventually we're going to go. But the, the, the death of Christ and ultimately His resurrection destroyed that power over mankind. We still see death, but as we read on, we'll see that it will ultimately be completely done away with because of the event we celebrate 2,000 years ago. And I don't know about you, that's exciting. You know, God has a plan. You know, Christ was the Lamb of God slain from what? Before the foundation. Before He created the earth and its foundations, He knew that there would be a fall, and He knew there would be a fix. And a restoration. That, I don't know about you, that gives me great comfort. God is sovereign. He is in control. Now look what He says here in verse 24. I'm sorry, verse 23. But every man in his own order. There's an order to the resurrection for human beings, for, for sons of Adam. There's an order. Christ, the first fruits. Now notice here, there's no talk of what we call Easter. You know, that's a Gentile terminology that's, that's been... It's not in the Bible. It is actually named after a pagan deity, Ishtar. That's why they have, you know, bunnies and colored eggs and all of that. It's, it's to commemorate the fertility goddess. Uh, we don't do that here, amen? amen. Uh, the Bible talks about first fruits, amen? And that's the festival, that's the pointed time that we're looking at that Jesus came to fulfill. And, and he is the first one raised from the dead. Now look what he says here. Afterward, everybody say afterward. They that are Christ's at His coming. There's an order to the resurrection. 
So what are we looking forward to? Because Christ has not yet come back a second time, right? We're waiting for that coming. And for the believer, what does that coming represent? The resurrection of our bodies to be formed and fashioned after His resurrected body. Amen? How, how, how many of you are looking forward to that? Amen. Immortality. Amen. He's coming back. And we're going to be resurrected in the proper order. Oh, hallelujah. Now, there was an order to the resurrection. Christ, the first fruits, and them who are alive at His return, at His coming. I want to take you to a scripture. Last week we did this with my message dealing with who was on trial. It was was it Jesus or Pilate or the Jews? You know, well, it was the whole human race and all of them. If Jesus wasn't on trial, he was putting them on trial, amen, as he does everyone. But there was a scripture in there, and it was only one scripture. And it was not mentioned in any other gospel, and it was about Pilate's wife having a dream. How many remember that just last week? Okay, well, I have another one here this week, and it's very. Do you believe there's anything in the Bible by accident? It's all there for a reason. And we have a scripture, and you can turn there, or you can just hold your place. We're going to stay in 1 Corinthians 15, but in Matthew 27, we have an amazing. Scripture here as it relates to the appointed time first fruits. And this is just after uh, the preceding verses talk about Jesus when he made redemption for man. The veil in the temple was rent from top to bottom. What does that represent? It represents, by the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, it represents man's, now he has a way, access to God through that veil, which is the flesh of Jesus. But the very next verse, in verse 52 of Matthew 27, I want to read that. And the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose. Verse 53, And came out of the graves after His resurrection, and went into the holy city, and appeared unto many. What took place when Jesus rose from the dead? He was the firstfruits, and he brought other saints up out of the grave with him. They were resurrected along with him on the Feast of First Roots. And that speaks of a harvest. What is the resurrection but a harvest? Think about this for a moment. A first fruit, when, 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 when we have. Fifty days from now is called Pentecost. It's a fest, festival or a point in time of harvest. It's the barley harvest. What was presented on Passover was first fruits of that harvest. It wasn't the harvest, but the first fruits represented the whole harvest. You got that in your mind? Think, think with me. The first fruits represented the entire harvest. You know, when you plant. We're going to use barley as an example here like they did then. Barley is planted and then it's, it's planted in large fields. They would take a representation of that harvest, just a few of the sheaves, okay, and offer it before the Lord on first fruits as a 
dedication to God. They were dedicating the whole harvest to God by offering the first fruits. Christ and those who were raised with him on that resurrection day were the first fruits of a bigger harvest. When he comes back, notice he said, at his coming, you and I will be raised up along with the rest of the church as the fullness of that harvest. Come in. That's the resurrection. That's what the significance of the resurrection is. It's for us, for all of us. We're going to be raised up. And look what he says here. Christ it is or the first fruit. Afterwards, they that are at Christ's coming, verse 24. Then cometh the end when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall put down all rule, all authority, all power, for he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. And the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. We're talking today about death destroyed. So when will death be destroyed in a practical sense? Well, it was destroyed at the cross, but in real time, we're walking this out in time and space. Come on now. It was done away with at the cross, but in reality and in effect, it's after the millennial reign of Christ, after He reigns a thousand years on the earth, ultimately death will be completely, there will be no more death after that. There will be a new heaven and a new earth. Come on now. Now people will die in the millennial reign. Death will still be present until after that reign. He must put down all his enemies under his feet. And that's a part of what the millennial reign will do. And then ultimately there will be no more death. What brings sorrow to our lives? What brings heartache? What brings when we begin to deteriorate, when we begin to decay, sometimes even while we're alive, even while we're young, you know, we see that working, that process working in us, but ultimately we're promised a new body, a new spirit, a new soul, based on his death on the cross and his resurrection. We will live with God as if there never was a fall. Somebody say amen. amen. That was his intention. Why did he allow the creature, you or I, to be subject to vanity? Because he has in mind something greater than we can even understand. And we get glimpses of it when we look at the scriptures, when we look at the Bible. Amen. He's going to destroy death completely. That's the last enemy to be destroyed. Now you know, again, should the Lord tarry, no one knows when he's going to come back, but should the Lord tarry, you and I are going to die. Two things in this life are certain. Somebody come on help me now. That's right. <laughs> but really for us, we don't die. It's like going to sleep, basically. Come on now. But eventually there will be no sting. There will be no death at all. Secondly, believers will rise. Look at uh, verse 37. That which you sow... You sow not that body that shall be, but you sow bare grain. It may be of chance wheat or some other grain. Now he's talking in agricultural terms to an, a society that was, was known to, to that. Uh, it would have been something they could relate to, agronomy. Verse 38, But God giveth it a body that has pleased Him, and to every seed His own body. Now he goes on and he begins to liken this same process to flesh. All flesh is not the same. There's one kind of flesh of men, another kind of flesh of beasts, another of fishes, another of birds. So also is the resurrection of the dead. 
Now, what is he actually doing by explaining this resurrection? This is really wonderful to our understanding. If you want to know where you're headed and what's going to go on with you, this is where it's at. Now, he gives us the pro he gives us a glimpse through a what we would call a simile or a likeness. Okay, if you take he's using grain, wheat, corn. They use different terms in the Bible: barley, whatever. It doesn't matter. Anything that has a seed. A tomato. How many have seen a tomato seed? A little small, you know, you just slice one open. It kind of looks like it's in that jelly stuff in there, you know. Well, how do you really, what do you do with it? You know, you have to, I had a grandmother that did all this. You dry it out, and then you get the little, pick the seeds out, and you can plant it next year, and you have, you know, perpetually you, you have. But a one little seed. You take a, a, a watermelon, how I many you know? Everybody's seen watermelon seeds. Everybody, yeah. who can spit them the farthest, right? <laughs> little brown seeds and so forth. Any type of seed you can imagine. If you take a, a watermelon seed, now if you didn't know in your mind, well, we do know, but if we did, would you think that would produce that? No. That green thing with the red stuff in there that you eat at the uh, 4th of July, you know? Or a pumpkin seed would produce a, a tomato, a little white tomato seed would produce a, a red tomato. Or What he's saying is you, you put it in the ground, the seed, it looks nothing like what it's going to be alone. But when it comes up, it's something totally different. Sort of like a, a butterfly starts off as what? A caterpillar. Pretty ugly, right, ladies? Come on. You know, do y'all like caterpillars? I mean, crawl, would you like to have one crawling up your arm? You know, I don't know about you, right? Huh? That's right. But what is a butterfly? What is? I mean, a caterpillar becomes what? Something beautiful, right? I mean, you look at a butterfly. Has anybody ever said, "Oh, the butterfly is ugly"? You know, oh, they look pretty good. They're cool. Oh, bullfrog starts out as what? A tadpole. And how does that turn into a... Different kinds of flesh, birds, and animals. Now, you know, people are saying that men have seed, women carry the seed. When the seeds germinate, it produces a child. Who would have thought? And all that intricate things. And What he's saying is you and I are planted in death as a seed. And when we come up, we're going to be something completely different. But we have an idea of what we're going to be like. Can't we know? We know what we're going to be like because of the resurrection of Jesus. And the Bible says that our new bodies are going to be fashioned after His glorious resurrection body. So what was Jesus like after He rose from the dead? That's what you're going to be like. Think about that. He just appeared in a room all of a sudden with his disciples after he had died and rose from the dead. Boom, he was there in the room. Scared him to death, man. Right. <laughs> so what did, Tom, what did Thomas say? I'm not going to believe unless I see him. When they saw him, they were like, he's a ghost. <laughs> it's a ghost. Jesus said to Thomas, he said, he said I'm not a ghost. Flesh and blood does uh, touch me, Thomas. Handle me. Thomas fell at his feet. My Lord and my God. 
They saw him dead, graveyard dead. Now here he was alive. They saw him walking the road of Emmaus. He, he didn't even appear as Jesus. He just appeared as somebody walking along. They, they didn't even recognize him. And when he left, did not our hearts burn within us? It was the Master. He ate fish with them on the seashore. He said, it's Jesus. They had given up hope. Went back to fishing. All this religious stuff didn't work out for me. You know, Jesus is dead. That's Jesus on the shoreline. He cast your nets on the other side. He did that before, didn't he? That's what busted. Then they saw him ascend up in front of their eyes, out of sight into heaven. Just went right into heaven. Poof. Well, you'll be like that. You'll have the same ability. No age, no deterioration. Abilities that we can only dream of now. You know, we look at our society and what interests people. Uh, you know, I'm a big sci-fi fan. Come on now, Star Trek. I'm a Trekkie, come on. I said, preach it, brother. Beam me up, Scotty. I'm going to be doing that. Only I, don't have to, I don't have to wait for the little... You know, I just, I'll, be, I'll be gone. You're in heaven one minute, and then down here on earth the next. That's crazy. No, not really. You know, they're actually transporting matter, particles now. I mean, it's just, we're, we're made up of the millions of them, billions of them, but they, they, they can transport one piece of matter to another 100 miles away, I think. The Japanese have done it. Our technology catch up, but I mean, think about it. What's popular in you know, superhero movies, right? Up, up and away, it's Superman. <laughs> able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. Faster than a speeding train. More powerful than a locomotive. It's Superman. Or the Green Lantern. Captain America. Why does that fascinate men? Because that's what they would like to be like, right? Come on, man. You may just be that way. Right? I'm say amen. All right, I'm getting, I'm deviating a little bit. Let me get, let me bring it back into the, into the lane here. Amen. He says, God gives it a body as it pleases Him. And he says here in verse 42, So also is the resurrection of the dead. It's sown in corruption. When you die, you, you, your body's corrupted. It's, it's gone. It's, it's, it's decayed. But it's raised in incorruption. It's sown in dishonor. It's raised in glory. It's sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It's sown a natural body, but it's raised a spiritual body. And it's all speaking of Jesus and those of us who are going to be resurrected with Him. And as we have borne the image of the earthy, that is the Adamic image, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. As we lost things in Adam, we're going to regain some things in Christ. And uh, that's, that's an exciting promise. We will rise with Him. Notice it's so... In, you know, there's a process that takes place uh, 
sort of like a, a decomposition process. But what God is speaking of there is actually when He talks of seed, there's life in there. Do you know when we die, and as a believer, we go to the grave, we have life that's in, inherently in us because of Christ. Outside of Him, we don't. He that has the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son hath not life. And really, when you when you think about it, you plant a seed, there's a, a process called catabolism. Catabolism. Catabolic. What does that mean? It, it's something that breaks down something. To catabolize. What's the opposite? Metabolize. Catabolize, metabolize. The seed breaks open in the earth. And what comes out of that seed? Life. There's something in the seed that's contained in the seed that makes life. When, when excuse my life, when the sperm enters the egg of a human being, there's a process called catabolism. It it, it breaks into that egg, and a new life is created when the the two meet and they come together. I don't know the process. I'm not a scientist, but I know that. It eats through the outer layer of that to go inside. It breaks it down. And in that catabolism comes a, a metabolic process comes forth. And life is born. And that's really what he's likening our deaths here in this life to as a believer. There's something more. There's a purpose for you to be here. Amen? And that purpose is not going to be seen until we get to the other side then we're going to realize. Do you think folks are going to go to heaven and say, you know, God, I don't know about the life you gave me down here. What were you thinking? Do <laughs> you think folks are going to be complaining? Now, now on this side, we, we're good at that. How many experts at that do we have here? Come on. But when we get on the other side, I don't think anybody's going to say, what were you doing? Now, of course, I, I have to admit, okay, I'm not lying to you, not in front of the Holy Ghost, but I've done that many times. God, what are you thinking? Do you really need to be doing? Does this have to be? He knows what he's doing. Yes. He breaks us down so that he can bring something new out of our lives. Thirdly, we see the victory over death. See Christ being risen, believers are going to rise, and now victory over death. In verse 51, we have this wonderful statement by the Apostle Paul. Behold, I show you a mystery. Now, what's a mystery? Something we don't know. Something we don't have an understanding of. It's a mystery. I mean, like mystery books. Come on. What is a mystery or a mystery show? You know, it's like, okay, the who done it. You have to watch the show and look at all the details and try to figure out. But at the end, it's revealed what actually took place. Amen. Yeah. But here Paul is giving us a heads up. He says, I show you a mystery. It's something man doesn't know about. People don't understand. Now we do, right? If he, if he shows it to us, we know it. Amen? Amen? He said, I'm going to show you that mystery. We shall not all sleep or die. That's a metaphor for the believer's death. But we shall all be what? Changed. Think about that. How many want change? Good change. Amen? Amen. He said, we'll all be changed. How fast in a moment in the what? Twinkling of an eye. That's pretty quick. At the what? Slash trunk. Many 
Many people think, and I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, for me to say I know for sure, I'd be crazy. Many people think that the rapture, and that's what he's talking about here, the resurrection, will take place on a future Feast of Trumpets. Now, why would they think that? Well, look at what took place on the, on the spring feast on unleavened bread, Passover, and first fruits. Significant things took place. The church was birthed on a Jewish feast, Pentecost. Come on now. And maybe it goes up on the next feast, which in line would be what? The Feast of Trumpets. And that may be a reference. I don't know. Again, don't, don't hold that to me. But if you do your own research and study, at the last trump, Trumpets has a hundred blasts that take place over that two-day feast. And it cannot be named what day it is until the new moon is spotted. It has to be seen from the ground. So no man knows the day that the feast will begin. Amen? And at the last trump, that's the hundredth blast, it says, uh, then again, that's some believe that is a reference to that. I, I don't know, but it certainly is a, something to, to look at. But look what he says. At the last trump, the trumpet shall sound, and what? The dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be what? Changed. And it all happened in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. That is the, remember Jesus, the first fruits, and they that are alive at His coming. Now His coming is in two parts. That's where people get a little, a little confused over. He comes back in the air, and we're called up to meet Him in the air, so shall we ever be with the Lord. He comes back approximately, and I say approximately because we don't know how long before the 70th week of Daniel starts, seven years with His church to set up His kingdom on the earth. So the dead are raised. Look at verse 55. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? There will be a generation of humans on the earth who will never die. Who will never taste death. It could be our generation. Did you know that? It could be. If not, we're still guaranteed the resurrection. Amen. But it could be. The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. See, the law can't save us. It just condemns us because we cannot live by the law. The strength of sin is the law. When God says, Thou shalt not, what do we do? We do. We do. <laughs> Come on, man. What's religion say? Oh, I can do this. I got this. No, no. Bad, bad decision. We're saved by grace through faith, and that not of our own. It's the gift of God. Amen. Look at verse 57. But, but thanks be to God which gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Yes. That's, that's our salvation. That's our new, our resurrection. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Amen. You know, 1 Corinthians 15.58, which we just read, is Paul's rallying cry to the Christian. 
It echoes to all believers throughout all the ages. We are to be steadfast and unmovable in our service to God. Somebody say amen. amen. No person or thing should be allowed to distract us from our service for the Lord. Hardship, persecution, even our own deaths or pending death will not hinder us from doing God's will and work. In fact, we should be always abounding in the work of the Lord. Why should we endure persecution and maintain a commitment to the task of serving God? The answer is simple. It's victory over death. It is promised to us. The resurrection is the assurance that our effort is not meaningless. Amen? The resurrected Christ met with His followers and encouraged their faith. They were convinced the living Lord was all He claimed to be and would truly fulfill the promises of Scripture. Because of the resurrection, church, the living Christ can abide in our hearts as well. He is our assurance that we will be rewarded for our obedient service. He gives all Christians everywhere the power to keep on living for Him. We need not waver. We need not give up. No matter how difficult our remaining faithful to God may seem to be, Jesus has provided His victory for all who believe. Amen? Death was destroyed by Jesus. And we have the assurance that we're going to be raised up together to be with Him. I don't know about you, that excites me. That's, that's something that, that delights in my heart. I, I'm so grateful to what God has done and is doing. He has a plan yes. for all of us. Amen. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.